0: Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida.
3: And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on this horse radio network for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. And we're at episode 2620. It's brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem.
4: Ability equals skill plus knowledge
3: a bad feeling about this.
4: Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association.
3: Missed it by that much.
4: How can I change this to make it better the next
3: time? Help you, I can Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association.
0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. For those of you who have power and can actually get our show today, welcome. For those of you that don't, it's Friday and you're back. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in. (laughs) Christy is here. She is here the third Tuesday of every month with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Christy is in Colorado, and you're kind of used to this weather.
3: Yeah, you know, every year we have about, oh, a week or two of the minuses, and so here we are. Yeah, Texas, not so much. So
0: uh, We're feeling for all our fans in Texas who are without power, some without water right now because their pipes rose because their pipes are buried about as deep as ours are here in Florida, which is six inches. So they're dealing with a lot of stuff down there right now and, and all across the country. I saw this morning that 70% of the country is now covered in snow.
3: And I worry, too, about the ranchers whose calves have come early or the horse breeders whose foals have come early. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard in this weather, you
0: know, when it's minus 20 in places, minus 30 in places. Well, we we are, I won't tell you what our temperatures are, but we we were not forgotten by mother nature last night. Uh, the whole Southeast had some wicked storms come through and tornadoes and stuff like that. Fortunately, they went, the tornadoes went above us, did hit parts of Florida and, and the Carolinas. So we hope you're all safe from that, but it reminded us that mother nature has not forgotten about us here in Florida. So
3: no. every now and then she says, here you go. Here you go.
0: Yep. Uh, but we're, we are thinking about all of you and, uh, praying that you all get through this safely. Uh, and it will warm up eventually. Someday it will warm up again and everything will melt. That's what happens with snow. For that the Texans, it. I'm just letting them know what happens because they don't have any idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, we watched this show. I got to tell you, we're thinking of Colorado. We watched this show on YouTube. There these two, This young couple building a house in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, actually, they're, once, they're in Utah, right outside Colorado, in the mountains. And it just snows every freaking day. <laughs> it's like... Yes. they're buried in snow is like why are you building a house there that's just crazy you people that live there and- are nuts
3: <laughs> i like it
0: so what's coming up on today's show we're 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 going all around today
3: Oh yes, we're going to hit everything today. So CHA believes that there is no such thing as a bad school horse breed. They all make good ones, so we partner with them all. So today we're going to be talking to the American Quarter Horse Association, the American Paint Horse Association, and the Arabians to see what member benefits and programs they have that might benefit you and your horses because they're not just for horse showing and horse breeding. I'm telling you right now, I used to work for one and there's a whole lot of hidden programs that just don't get marketed very well. So we're going to help do that today so you can all tune in and see what you think. Quarter
0: Horses, Paints, and Arabians. We've covered about half the horses in America, I think.
3: I think so, and those are three <laughs> of the biggest breeds too. So there yeah. you are, as far as the associations go. So
0: you were were you in Oklahoma recently, or there was? I know there was a certification there before yes, Oklahoma I, froze to death. Uh,
3: yes, yeah. I was actually there. It was at a place called Stormwalker, right outside of Tulsa, about an hour. And I'll tell you, it's a lovely facility. So kudos to them, and they do. Um, primarily riding lessons there and they have a lot of school horses and it was just a lovely lovely event and we were able to certify uh seven of uh, their staff and then some local people came in too. it was great
0: so what uh just remind everybody what what that certification is all about
3: yes so it's one of our largest growing ones our largest one glenn is still the english western instructor certification for those that teach but this is our second largest and it's about a decade old now. It's called the Equine Facility Manager Certification, and it is everything from certifying you to feed the horses and know the difference between your concentrates and your haze and all that, all the way up to all the H.R., so you know human resources well. You know how to hire, fire, um, what a 1099 is, a W-2, a W-9, you know, all these forms and things that we need. And everything in between, poisonous plants all around the country, trailer loading, lunging a horse properly, how to put a poultice wrap on, how to take vitals. It just goes on and on. It's a really fun program.
0: That's cool. And then they, can, they basically can say we're a certified uh, facility.
3: Correct. So then they can say that all their staff. So a lot of the boarding barns are doing this one because they want to say, hey, all of our staff that's taking care of your horses is certified. And so a lot of them are doing this. Um, A lot of programs that just have a whole lot of barn staff, like your breeding programs that are breeding horses, you know, things like that, so that you know that your horses are in really good hands when you uh, have them at a boarding barn.
0: So a lot of these certifications go on for for all the different certifications you do throughout the year. Where where are you at now with COVID and with everything? What's 2021 look like for the CHA?
3: Yes. Well, hopefully better than 2020. We normally do 80 a year, and last year we did 22. So, yes. Wow. A definitely quarter of what you hope. normally do. Uh-huh. Painful. So this year, uh, we're, we only budgeted for 60. We're trying not to go all the way to 80 at once because we know that that might not be realistic. But if you go to... Um, cha.horse which is our website and you go under the events at the top of the page you'll see we already have 25 on there so if they all go we're already more than we had all of last year and they're booking out for um, oh everything we have some this month next month the month after I mean we pretty much do them all year long so go check it out if there's one near you or if you want to hop on an airplane and go somewhere or get in your car and go somewhere they are definitely all over the US and Canada
0: and what kind of certifications a little bit of everything
3: Yes. So most of them right now are English Western instructor. Then we do definitely have quite a few of these equine facility manager ones. And then we also have um, some day ride trail guide ones for the dude strings and the trail ride operations. And then seasonal equestrian staff ones for those that have a camp and just want to get their staff certified for the summer months coming up.
0: Before we get to our first guest, I wanted to bring something up with you because you guys do certified people. On the last stable Scoop roundtable, we we had some guests on, and the topic came up of certifications. Um, one of the guests wanted to know if we're ever going to get to the point in this country, like some of the European countries, where all instructors are certified or required to be certified. Um And, you know, we pretty much determined that'll never happen here. But, I mean, you guys are set up to do it. It's not like, and this was my argument, you know, it's not like we don't already have a structure in place to certify people. You know, we do. Um. So what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on mandatory certification in, in an effort to better, you know, just to be better in, yeah. in the horse world?
3: Well, it's really good that you mentioned that because it's funny. Our board of directors, because, of course, we're a 501c3 nonprofit because I'm not a government employee like I would be over in Europe because it's federally mandated. Um, so over here, we're a 501c3 voluntary nonprofit group. And our board every two years goes, huh, should we do this? Should we make it mandatory? Because we could become, instead of a C3, a C6, we could start going to Capitol Hill and lobbying We could do this. We could push for this and we could make it mandatory. CHA could uh, by just our grassroots efforts, right? And every single time that somebody brings it up, our board goes, oh, my gosh, we don't want our government meddling in our stuff. We're just going to keep it how we are. We're just Mm -hmm. we're good. We're good. So and I, I would believe that, actually. I just think when you get too much government control, things can go a little sideways and we can we can get stuff done quick. I mean, even Quarter Horse that's coming up soon, you know, it's harder for them to get stuff done because they're just so big. Well, we're pretty small. And so we can accomplish things pretty expediently if we need to change a program is it's not working or whatever. Yeah, but and I it's just think not the
0: bad trainers that go get certified with you guys now because it's voluntary. It's the good ones.
3: I would agree. So it really does become then buyer beware. So we have a huge marketing program through groups like Time to Ride through American Horse Council and others where we are trying to let the parents and the grandparents and the beginner adults know you need to pay attention and not just Google horseback riding instruction near me you need to actually go through and find us or find other groups that, you know, do certification and go to one of those instructors. So the push needs to be to market the user to understand the importance of certification.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's that was the thing that that came out, you know, in our discussion was that it's not the you know again it's not the good ones getting or the you know it's not the bad ones getting certified correct uh and and they have no interest in that so i that's the government mandates right i mean that's what that's why there are government mandates usually is sure. because and who knows you know i don't think we're, we'll ever get to that we can't agree enough to get to that point. <laughs> and then right. we'd have to fight over who does the certification for about eight, 10 years. So, I mean, even though you guys are there, there would be another group wanting to do it, and then it would be a big fight. And that's all you'd spend your time doing. Right. Uh,
3: so, So it's just better to just be voluntary and be happy in our little voluntary world. <laughs> <laughs> And again, it's truly buyer beware, right? It's buyer beware when you go buy a car. It's buyer beware when you go buy anything. It's buyer beware when you go and take, uh, you know, uh, karate lessons. I mean, but there again, I'm just taking the
0: other side in court, right? I'm playing the 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 opposing attorney here. But when you buy a car, there are lemon laws in most states. You know, when you right now Massachusetts, I don't know if there are any other states. You probably do. Massachusetts does have a trainer. You have to get you have to get licensed. Uh Do you know what
3: they consist of?
0: Yeah, it's not much, is it?
3: Uh-uh. It's a written test, and you've got to pay the government their money. Yep, to take they want the their
0: test. $200 or whatever it is. Correct. Jennifer had to do it when we
3: lived there. And a written test doesn't tell you anything in comparison to hands on. And that's why we do everything hands on. We don't do anything by video and we don't do anything by written test except to on our EFM, our Equipment facility manager, you have to take a written test in order to then go do the skills. But even the skills are not video. They are in person so that we can see the person do something that's incredibly unsafe and say, really, you always duck under the neck of your horse when it's tied? huh, interesting. <laughs> and then they go, Oh, right. Oh my gosh. Because things come out when you're too comfortable. Yeah. Right. And then we just give them a little notice that don't do that when you're around your clients. That's, that's not a good idea.
0: And your lead ropes are after entirely around your hand five times. Correct. And, you know, all, all those all things. The little things that you don't get noticed. Correct. Right. And aren't asked really on the test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. I knew Massachusetts, well, they pretty much license you for ever, anything you do there. So uh, just yeah, to collect how the, they roll. Yeah. There's a reason it's called Taxachusetts Um, (laughs) (laughs) and all my Massachusetts listeners can now email Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. She takes (laughs) all the complaints (laughs) over there. Let's get to our first guest and talk a little bit about Quarter Horses, the largest breed association in the world, right?
3: It is. We are so excited to have Katie Reynolds on with us now. She's the current American Quarter Horse Association Director of Youth Development. Katie has successfully managed large numbers of youth involved with the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo, as well as at the Arabian Horse Association. Katie graduated from Colorado State University here in Colorado with a Bachelor's of Science in Equine Science and lives with her family in Texas. She is also one of my bosses, Glenn, as she sits on our CHA Board of Directors. Hi, Katie. How are you?
4: Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me on.
3: I just want to we tell are. you, Christy does
0: a tremendous job. She's unbelievable and she needs a raise. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn.
4: I was <laughs> going to say, I think it's actually that Christy is the boss of all of us because she tries to keep us in line and yeah, does she a fabulous job at that. She
0: doesn't take any crap, does she, Christy?
3: She's, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Never. <laughs> you guys are all so easy keepers, though. It's not a problem. You're all good you <laughs> good. good. I'm
4: glad to hear
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we it's appreciate so having work you with Thank Yeah, you.
4: thanks for having me.
3: Well, that's what we were saying earlier. You know, because we are all breed, all discipline, what a fun show this is today to be able to talk to three of the largest breeds in our country and be able to have a conversation about some of the hidden programs. You know, when people think of a breed association, they're like, oh, yeah, horse showing. Oh, yeah, I raise some foals and I register them. Oh, yeah. But I don't think they realize all the other stuff. So let's just jump right in. What are some of the exciting programs there at AQHA that the average horse owner might not know about?
4: Yeah, I love this question, Christy, and it is so good of you to raise it because, um, yes, AQHA is a registry, and I feel like most people are well aware that we have a really robust um, network of shows, but there's really something at AQHA for everybody, and the association um, from the leadership on down is is very cognizant of the need for Um, programs for people and horses um, with all kinds of interests and from all walks of life. And so um, we have, you know, a number of programs, certainly, but some of them that I thought might be interesting to bring up were the horseback riding program, which is, uh, based on the concept that we want to reward members for time spent riding their horses. And I think one thing that's interesting about this program is that, um, although the participants need to be members, the horse can either be a registered American quarter horse or it can be any breed. And so it's pretty simple for riders can log the time that they spend riding their horses. um, and they can do that either online or by mailing in log sheets. And those hours accumulate to earn them awards. And that is something that we have um, enjoyed good participation in, um, you know, for many years now. Um, and then jumping to another part of the industry, we have a lot of programs for horses that come from more of a ranching background. We actually have a whole network of ranching heritage breeders, um, which are folks who, through the the quality and depths and breadth of their breeding programs, have earned that special designation because they produce um. High quality ranching bred American quarter horses um, that are actually used in a ranching capacity. Um, and then we also have, for those types of horses and for people interested in that kind of work, we have ranching heritage challenges, which are competitions, and we even have the versatility ranch horse championships. Um, so whether you're looking to buy a horse like that, you already have one, you have your own breeding program on a ranch, um, or you want to go um, load up those horses and take them to compete somewhere, there's a lot of opportunity um, that i think gets right to the heart of the american quarter horse breed that way um, something else i think is useful to folks and may be helpful to some of your listeners is that we have a network also of AQHA professional horsemen who i think there's some crossover there with cha christy um, but these are yeah but these are trainers who um, you know agree to abide by a certain code of ethics and meet qualifications to be considered um, professional horsemen. and that is pretty easy to find on our website as well. so you can find a trainer near you. Um, and then I think the last thing that sort of comes to mind is that we have um, and this is one of the things I think that HA really does best just in general, there's just so much educational content through our website. Um, right now, we've got a series of ebooks that are available to members um, once they log in, and there's just so much information. And I love that. I think that's, you know, horse people always want to learn more about their horses. There's always a new issue to dive into or something that they want to improve on. I think that's really great. And that content extends not only digitally, but also um, the quarter horse journal underwent a redesign last year. And it is really beautiful right now. It is um, not only great to look at, but the content is just amazing. And every one of the HQHA members gets the journal delivered right to them. So that's another great source for educational content.
3: I would agree with all of those things. And I just think that they're just good hidden treasures, right, that maybe not everyone knows about. And this is something too that I've been diving into now. My son is a junior in high school. So college (laughs) is just around the corner. So there's this little thing called scholarships that I am just looking for right and left. And I know you do a lot with the youth programming there. So do you all have scholarships and how do they all work?
4: We do. Yeah. The American Quarter Horse Foundation has a really long legacy of supporting youth. And actually um, it's been around for almost 45 years now and has awarded um, more than seven and a half million dollars, um, in scholarships and grants, um, to help kids pursue higher education. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about because, um, I have spent my career working with and on behalf of youth and giving scholarships and helping these horse kids, um, you know, leverage their passion to get to that higher education and seeing that, um, you know, pay off in how they can get some help with school. I think it's just so important. And it's something that the industry gets better at all the time. And I think that we, um, in the quarter horse world are getting better at it all the time. But yeah, we give hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships every year through the American Quarter Horse Foundation, and we're able to do that because we um, look at that as an opportunity for people who are like-minded and want to make an impact on the industry. We give them an outlet um, to make gifts to the foundation so that we can carry out their wishes to impact the industry. So um, there's giving not only in the areas of youth scholarships, but also through um, grants for equine assisted activities and therapies. We fund some pretty extensive equine research to look at diseases, genetics, um, you know, medications and all of that. But we're really always looking to push forward um, with those different ways to support the industry. And um, you know, Christy and Glenn, we were just talking about this the other day in the office because now that we're doing, you know, more and more all the time online, we actually were doing a deeper dive in our youth scholarship application. And what I think is really great about our system is that we have so many different scholarships available to youth, um, but we just require one single application. So it's a clean process. It's pretty easy. Um, they're due December first every year, and that single application with some work can put your name in the hat for all kinds of different you know educational opportunities. But since we're doing this online, we have data and that shows us um, you know how many kids have started the application process it versus how many have completed them and that's what we were just talking about the other day because we're seeing that there's a fair number of people who start that scholarship application process and then don't complete it. And so, um, you know, my thought on that is that we as an organization can can do a better job of preparing people to start that process of helping them anticipate how long that's going to take and how worthwhile that investment of time and gathering letters of recommendation and all of that is. Because we have money to give and we want to get it into the hands of these fabulous young people who have been so involved in the industry. And because there are so many different awards and there are different criteria it's really worth, um, you know, these different youth investing their time in completing that application. So that's something that we're going to be looking at going forward.
3: Well, I love that. And I've already written down the date because that's probably December 1st of the senior year. And that is already this year. And now you're freaking me out a little bit, but okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we got a lot of work ahead of us. All right. Yeah. It'll be well worth it. Well, worth it. Yes. yes. It's so good. Well, I just love the fact that it's all one-stop shop with you because a lot of them, you have to do all these different ones for each individual application within the org- organization. So for you, it's one, and then you decide where, that person best fits, and which scholarship makes the most sense. I just love that. That's a great idea, yeah, that's
4: exactly it. No, we want to make it as easy as possible and make sure that we help as many young people as possible. And so that's the way we do that. I
3: love it, Katie. So what are some other um opportunities for youth? Like I know you have an a q h y a, which of course is a youth association. So what are some other things that they can do um under a q h a?
4: Yeah, well, we have more than 18,000 youth members worldwide. And so, of course, with you know that number of kids and with a horse as diverse as the American Quarter Horse, they have a really wide range of interests, of disciplines, um, backgrounds, and walks of life. Um, so I kind of tend to look at it like, how are we serving each of several big areas of opportunity? So I bucket those um, as horsemanship programs leadership focus programs, education, and then, of course, we need some recognition and reward to make sure that we are, um, you know, giving praise and recognition where we need to. So, um, just to kind of give a high-level look at a few of those and horsemanship programs, I think one of the coolest things we do is with a program called our Young Horse Development Program, which, um We offer just to youth members and remember those ranching heritage bred horses I was talking about before in those breeders. We actually, yeah, we actually have um, breeders that will donate. Like, for example, this year we had 40 horses that are ranching heritage bred weanlings that were donated by ranching heritage breeders. They give a horse freely um, to this program. We take the applications that were sent in from AQHYA members who want to be part of it. We match the best of those applicants with these horses, and that horse becomes theirs. It's theirs forever. And we um, help them transfer the ownership of that horse into their name, and then they work through nine full months of a guided horsemanship program where they have a record book and a wide variety of assignments so that they get a great start with this horse. Um, And even at the end of the program where, um, you know, the highest achieving of those youth members through that program, they get um, the opportunity to earn scholarships, buckles, and other prizes. But every one of those kids in that program still, like I said, keeps that horse, that horse is theirs. And I think it is such a unique opportunity in this industry that came about through the generosity of ranching heritage breeders. So I love that program. I think it really speaks. Yeah. It speaks to the best of, you know, kind of what we want to do um, as an association um, and how we can empower these youth in their really what we're hoping is a lifelong journey with these horses. Um, we have a a really active leadership program. We've got a youth board of directors. We've got regional directors and an executive committee. Um, They all do a lot um, all the way down to the committee level and get very local in supporting our youth affiliates as well. Um, But they will plan and create events. We're working with them really closely on our social media efforts for kids right now. They help guide some of our educational resources, um, community service, um, and really the look and feel of the youth organization each year. So I, we spend on staff a lot of time working with those youth leaders, um, developing them and they give back tenfold to the organization. I love working with those youth leaders and, um, And, you know, spending time with them and learning what I can from them. So that is really a bright spot. Every year, typically, of course, we didn't go last year, but um, in the early summer, usually we will travel the youth board to Washington, D.C. and um, do... Visits on Capitol Hill. So these youth leaders get the opportunity to go and meet with lawmakers and talk about what's important to them um, within the horse industry. And that is something that's really impactful to those kids and hopefully to the horse industry as a whole. Um, So that's another neat opportunity. And then also in the leadership Vein. um we have a three-day youth leadership development conference um, that's in Amarillo, and it's right near our headquarters, and we will have about 200 kids and adult leaders come into town for that. Um, so we have workshops and keynote speakers, um, team building and networking, and it is just so much fun. The kids love that, and we are really looking forward to having that in Amarillo this year, provided we can do that safely and welcoming everybody back. We did it virtually last year and that worked really well, but we, you know, there's no substitute for being in person. So that's going to be a lot of fun.
3: That's something I'm excited about, too. I'm going to get to go to your um, convention at the end of March that's going to be in the San Antonio Hill Country. Looking forward yeah. to that very much. So um, can you tell everybody, you know, what exactly goes on at their Breed Association Convention? I don't know if people even know. So that would be helpful.
4: Yeah, Christy, I'm excited to see you there. It's been too long.
3: <laughs> yes, me too.
4: Uh- <laughs> so yeah, our membership convention is um basically the annual business meeting for AQHA. So that's where our governance structure is really put into action. That's where the rubber meets the road. Um, Members can submit what we call a a rule change proposal. So if there's something that they feel like they want to see or adapt from the way the association currently functions or what's in the rule book, they can submit a proposal. um, And that proposal will um, be routed to whichever of the 13 AQHA standing committees is appropriate to review it. Um, they'll discuss it, they make a recommendation to the board of directors, and then the board can approve or deny it. And from there, if it um, was approved, it will go before the membership to vote and make its way up to the executive committee. Um, So that's a really neat process to see and to be part of as members. And then um, also at convention, Um, New AQHA directors are elected, the new executive committee is elected each year, um, and then in a normal, quote-unquote, normal year, we would also have a number of educational workshops, um, you know, roundtable discussions, town hall sessions, uh, social events, and then, you know, things like banquets to uh, recognize and celebrate Um, you know, Hall of Fame inductees, and just the people that really deserve recognition from their, you know, longstanding and outstanding achievements within the horse industry. So all of that wrapped into, you know, four days or so. It's very, very busy, but we all look forward to it so much. Um, And we have a lot of people that In a typical year, we'll travel from around the world. So this year will be a little bit different. It's business only, but um, we are grateful for the opportunity to get together safely in San Antonio. Um, The the standing committees will be meeting at convention for the most part. Um, And all AQHA members are welcome to attend. And I will say also, um, most committee meetings are open to the public. So it's a good opportunity to come and, um, you know, be part of that governance process.
3: I know I sit on the membership and marketing committee and I've really enjoyed that over the years. We discussed some really um, good things and they know there's no such thing as a bad idea in that committee. You know, we just really get to share and be open. So looking yeah. forward to it. Um, so yeah, Katie, a we've,
4: great committee. Mm-hmm.
3: we've come to the end of our time. So go ahead and give people um, websites and Facebook, social media and other things that um, they can find out more about everything you spoke about today.
4: Perfect. Yeah. I hope they'll go to, AQHA.com. We have a great website there with a ton of information. They also can sign up for um, emails to get newsletters on really about any topic they choose. That's down at the bottom of the home page. And those will come free and you do not have to be a member to get those. On Facebook, just search for American Quarter Horse Association and on Instagram, look for Official AQHA or Official AQHYA.
3: Very good. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on today and sharing some of the hidden treasures of AQHA. We really appreciate it.
4: Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: Bye.
0: Well, there you go. Now we've uh, covered the largest breed associate. You started with the biggest
3: first. I know. You see how I'm working it? Yeah. Just making it happen. Yeah. Well, pro- also, she's my boss, remember? So yeah, she that's probably right. has yeah, to go it. first. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Although she did, seems to think that she doesn't really have any control over you whatsoever.
3: That is the other way around. Well, it all depends on the day. <laughs> on the day.
0: <laughs> I've worked with you for a long time. I know how that goes. Uh, you know, I know who's the boss in this relationship.
3: Uh
1: huh.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's give the Certified Horsemanship Association website.
3: Yes. So it's C-H-A dot horse. And if you go there, there is a lot to do, even if you're not looking to be certified yourself. But if you want to find an instructor, find a barn, lots of educational articles, lots of webinars, YouTube videos, a lot of free stuff. So go check it out. What breed are we heading to next? Oh, my goodness. So Arabians. And I'm really looking forward to talking to Kelsey. You know, I used to work at the Arabian Horse Association. So this is like going home for me. This one is. And didn't they just have the big Arabian show in Arizona right? I mean just yeah, last Scottsdale. week or something. Yeah. Yeah, the big Scottsdale show. It sure it went on. Sure did. So now we have on with us Kelsey berg and she is the Director of Marketing and Events for the Arabian Horse Association and has been for over eight years. She is a graduate of Colorado State University with a master's degree in business management and a bachelor's of science in equine science. She and her husband compete in ranch sorting and team penning, and they live just east of me in Bennett, Colorado. Hi, Kelsey. How are you? Good morning. How are you? We're excited to have you on today. So I don't know if you know this, but I used to work for IAHA back before you were AHA.
1: Many, <laughs> many moons
3: that. ago. Yes. I was your you person. IAHA. International Arabian ah, Horse Association versus it. Arabian Horse Association. Got yes. It, okay. And then after I left is when you blended with the registry which made perfectly good sense and became Mm. just one building versus two buildings like we were there for a while but
0: Kelsey we were just talking about were you in Arizona were you down for the big show
1: um no I didn't go down there this year um it's one of our club shows the AHA of Arizona and so they put that on kind of independently but um we participate a lot of times but This year with all the COVID regulations and stuff, we opted not to go. We do have like a registry services booth there. So there's services available for our members.
0: Can can I say one thing, Christy? I've been to a lot of shows around the country like you have. Nobody decorates their stalls and has more alcohol at their stalls than the Arabian people.
2: yeah i would
0: agree with that Uh i think it's required i I think they have Uh to have a bar there's always a tiki hut and a bar set up somewhere around the stalls where the arabian shows i I, every year we'd go we'd walk over to the one when we lived in kentucky at the kentucky horse park and they were always had the best decorations there Uh, and and you don't even have to own an arabian you can walk up and they'll give you a drink it's perfect i love it
3: that's great it is great. My husband's very first horse show ever was actually U.S. Arabian Nationals down when it was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the green shavings and the 12-piece orchestra and the shrimp on the barbie and the patron's lounge. And then he came to a 4-8 show afterwards with me. He goes, oh, never again. I'm never going no. to the horse <laughs> show. I didn't even get a hot
0: dog never. at the 4-8 show. <laughs> exactly.
3: Nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's Arabs or nothing for my husband. That is truly where he is.
0: Now, Kelsey's yeah. cringing a little because we've just associated alcoholism with Arabians, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs>
3: But, you know, it's all in good fun, right? That's what we do here. That's right. It's all in good fun. So, all right, Kelsey, now we'll jump into the serious stuff. So, um, I think, and I was talking to Katie about this, we just had her on from AQHA, and we were having a conversation Mm -hmm. about a lot of times people think that their breed association is just for horse shows or just for if you have foals and you're going to register them. And people don't understand that there's so much more. So, if you could go ahead and tell us some exciting programs going on there that your average person might not even know exist. For sure. So, and we do um, host all of our national championship
1: horse shows, and that's one of our big features. But one thing that's new coming in 2021 that we're excited about is we're having a Ranch horse Championship show. It's actually here in Loveland, um, Colorado in September. And so it's more of our um, grassroots effort, but still at a high competition level. Um, and so we're really excited. We're hoping to encourage some people that haven't been showing with us or haven't shown with us a while to come back. Um, and have some fun. Some other things that we started um, in the last year is we started our own podcast too. It's called the Arabian Horse Connection. Um, That's new. And then we're also launching this spring a new series of virtual shows for our members and um, a variety of classes with low entry fees. um, And you have to be a member to compete in that. I love all that. Those are good ideas.
3: Do you still do your rec writing program?
1: Yeah, we do. So we're kind of transitioning um, all of them into one program. Um, We have an existing one called the frequent rider program. And so basically people can go on their website and log their hours of riding and then earn great prizes throughout the year, depending on what milestones they reach. Um, Our website's kind of been like undergoing a huge um, upgrade. So that whole program is getting an upgrade this year and we're hoping to relaunch it with some great new prizes. So that's really cool perk
3: for our members too. It is. And this is one that I find really interesting. So we have a lot of members that have school horses that they're not going to show those school horses or even have their students show them. They're they're just basically going to teach on them and that's it. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly trying to convince them you need to transfer these horses into your name under the registries of which they are, because that just makes good sense. So, um, and I know a lot of people say, oh, I'll I'll only do that if I show them. It's like, no, you should do it period. So could you have a conversation with us of why those that own Arabians and half Arabians should go ahead and transform even if they don't show? Yeah.
1: So we believe um, heavily that, you know, that historical record of your horse and their ownership is super important, both for bloodlines and, um, you know, we all, Sometimes get our horses and think we might have them forever, but that's not always the reality. So, you know, just providing that backbone for future owners to be able to do what they would like with them, whether breeding or showing or participating in any of HA's great programs, um, that's just super important. And then also um the ability to participate in some of our great programs, like a membership is included with all of our non-member prices. And so um kind of targeting those school horses if that is existing like that was one of the targets for our virtual shows for example um you know the horses that might be older and not necessarily you don't want to travel with them but the people are looking to get involved somewhere um that's a great avenue for those horses and a great reason for them to transfer too
3: I would agree. I have um, numerous different breeds in my backyard and every single one of them, they're registered. They all have papers from the different registries and I have made sure to transfer them all. Even the really, really old Shetland Pony has been transferred (laughs) into my name and she was literally just given to me because somebody was moving out of state and was like, I don't want her anymore. But I just believe in all that. you know. I just think it's really important. So thank you for chatting a little bit about transferring and why that's important. So you have this whole program called Discovery Farms. Can you Tell us a little bit more about that and how people can get involved.
1: For sure. Yeah, it's um, an existing program that we've had for a while, but um, we kind of went through a refresh last year and trying to really make it valuable again. So um, it's basically the Discovery Farm is free for our members, and farms can sign up and be featured on our website. And it's basically an opportunity for people that are interested in Arabians to be able to find a place to come um, meet one or you know, meet people. And so um, we have an interactive map on our website with all the different discovery farms. And so people can look in their area and see where there might be an Arabian farm close to them. And our idea is really if these farms can reach even 20 or 30 people a year, that's a huge spread of the Arabian horse um, in a way that we can support a grassroots effort without having boots on the ground everywhere. Um, Some cool things that we do for them is um, we started in the spring and fall sending them subscription type boxes. And so we send them all of our new promo materials some giveaways for people that may come to their farm. So that's pretty cool. And then we've also been spotlighting them on our weekly social media pages um, and trying to get them some promotion as well.
3: Well, what I love about that, what a fun little weekend thing to do, right? Because they're Mm -hmm. open right now. It's outdoors. um, It's fun for the kids and the grandkids and young adults to go and just kind of see, you know, the beautiful horses, which we know Arabians always are. And that's just so wonderful that these farms are welcoming them to come and do a little outing to learn more about the breed. I think it's a great program.
1: For sure. We do too.
3: So what else um, do you want to chat about as far as what um, Arabian Horse Association is doing that you don't think maybe the average person might know?
1: So, some cool stuff that we started doing about two years ago is Meet an Arabian Horse Day. So, we picked one day in May and one day in September and encouraged spread throughout all of our discovery farms and clubs to host events where people can come and um, enjoy the day and meet Arabian horses. And then, last year during the pandemic, we kind of transferred them to like a virtual experience. And so, um, it was Meet an Arabian Horse Month, and we did activities throughout the month and encouraged our discovery farms and clubs um, to host events. And uh, we ended up collecting quite a few email addresses and contact information to stay connected with those people going forward. And we plan to do the same again, kind of depending um, on what this year looks like. It'll either be virtual or in person, but that's something that is really cool and an opportunity for people to get involved um, with us and with the Arabian horse.
3: You had one a couple of years ago that I participated in that was at High Prairie Farms down in Parker mm-hmm. and it was super mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, we, we, we really in, enjoyed being a part of that with our partnership, you know, with, that we have with Arabians and that was just great. Sure. So I think mm-hmm. more of this kind of outreach stuff is just so important because your average person, when they think horses, they probably think cute little pony or they think thoroughbred that races around the track right? And they have not necessarily any idea about the vast variety of breeds. And the Arabian, probably because I worked there and I showed them when I was young, but they're so versatile. I mean, everything from the Tevis Cup, right, where they're doing that hundred mile ride, one of the Best breeds to do that kind of thing on, to all the wonderful things that they do at horse shows. I mean, there's not very many breeds that does show hack, country pleasure, side saddle. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, right? Native costume. Yeah. I think it's only Arabians, right? So for sure, and I mean, just wonderful.
1: Yeah, and we are getting into some of the more specific disciplines too, if that's what people are interested. We have our own national show just for sport horses now and then, now for ranch horse. So there's a super versatile breed that you can do almost anything with.
3: I would agree. I mean, you guys are at NRHA at reigning shows. I mean, yes, the Arabian can do just a wide variety of things and it's just so much fun. These outreach programs like discovery farm and meet an Arabian horse day that allow Mm -hmm. people to be able to truly see and go, Oh wow. I never knew. Right. And I just love, yeah, we've really
1: tried to focus on an association. um, Since at least I've um, been in charge. How can we as a, national association with a small staff help support like a local outreach level. We may not be able to always be there, but um, we can support our clubs and
3: farms being able to help with that outreach. I would agree. So how do people find out more about the programs you've mentioned a website, social media presence? What's the best ways?
1: Um, so if you go to arabianhorses.org backslash discover, that's the best way to figure out what kind of programs are um, near you. And then we also have social media pages on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So we're active on all of those platforms, and you can figure out what's going on there.
3: Very good. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for um, being on today. And are you going to be doing any rant sorting or team penning soon with this weather going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, we've shown all kinds of weather.
3: So <laughs> Very good. Well, I love it. You, I, I just live um, really just... Just up the road from you on i-70 in southeast aurora so you know nice. say hi as you drive down on i-70 i will have a great day thanks kelsey thanks, bye-bye Kessel, kelsey.
0: Bye. all right there we go we went from quarter horses to arabians and now we're going to head off a completely different direction
3: Yes, so the American Paint Horse Association, and this is exciting, because we're going to have Billy Smith on, and he's their uh, chief executive officer. So it'll be very fun to talk to him. I've known uh, Billy for a really long time. We meet every year in D.C. when we go and talk on uh, Capitol Hill and lobby for our organization, and he always has some good stories to share. So excited to have him up next. We are so excited to have Billy Smith on next. He is the executive director of the American Paint Horse Association. Billy grew up in horse racing, ranching, farming and oil family in Texas. He graduated from the University of North Texas with degrees in business and journalism and a master's degree from Texas Tech in PR and advertising. And he also has his doctorate in education. Billy has spent many years practicing um, as a journalist covering medical and scientific subjects. And and then he went on to teach at West Texas A&M. He was also in charge of information technology at AQHA. And he currently lives in Fort Worth with his wife, Melinda, Of course, now in charge of APHA. So, Billy, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing very well. I'm a little bit cold, but I think everybody's cold around here.
3: Oh, my gosh, yes. Crazy weather around the country right now for people that normally are not used to it.
2: Oh, there's snow. The first time a a drop of snow lands in Fort Worth, the whole city shuts down. So (laughs) imagine now we've got five or six inches.
3: Well, I'll tell you, I was there in December for the National Finals Rodeo, and I got to see in person your brand new building there on Mule Alley at the historic Fort Worth Stockyards. And it is so cool. I mean, all the stuff that you kept structurally that um, is a part of your offices, it was the neatest thing ever. So could you explain more about your location and what constituted the move and all the things about it?
2: Well, first of all, uh, thank you for coming. It was uh, it was fantastic fun um, for you to come come by. Now you didn't tell the whole story. I didn't get to see you because I was down with COVID nineteen at the time.
3: I know so, yuck.
2: Yeah, yuck. I uh, don't wish that on my worst enemy, but uh, I'm I've made it back already. But well, you know, one of the things we did in that space is we wanted to keep it as historically accurate as we can. It's a 1911 constructed space, so we retained all the barn-like qualities we could. We also retained as much of the historical perspective, the old fire-retardant doors. We kept all of that in place. When you come into the office, it's it's very beautiful, very well-designed, but it's also... um, very clearly when you walk in, you know, almost instantly, oh, this had to be a barn. So we retained as much of that kind of uh, history and culture as we can.
3: You sure did. And I loved the steps that kind of go up and you were able to sponsor a step if you want. Then you have that great meeting space up above that. I We're going to have a board meeting there one day, CHA is, because it just looks like a fabulous space.
2: It's a beautiful space. It's very beautiful. Also, in the summer, there's a lot of greenery outside. It's the old hayloft, and we left it almost identical to the way it originally was. It has the old fire-retardant door. We left part of the clay uh, fire-retardant doors. You can see the catwalk that they used to use to move uh, hay and feed into the corral area. So uh, we've had lots of interest in it. It's where we honor our Hall of Fame uh, recipients. So it's a beautiful place.
3: And what I love is that each of you that have offices there, it's like you're in a big stall.
2: Yeah, we have stall doors, and uh, it's uh, and it's it's glass. the 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 window area, the front area, is all glass for each uh, each uh, office, and we've done that intentionally because we have uh artwork in every one of the offices. So every office space is like a mini art gallery. Uh so it's all a kind of designed to create a very open uh open look.
3: Well, and I'll tell you, paint horses are truly beautiful. Um, I have a solid black one with four white socks. So he's more, you know, the untraditional paint, but you, I mean, they're beautiful and the artwork and everything that you have up on the walls there, it is like going to a mini paint museum. And then of course you also have the full store. So if people are visiting the stockyards, can they just come on in and visit? Do they have to make a reservation? How does all that work? Well,
2: the front, 1500 square feet of the of the office area is the store the barn door the PH barn door and that is open 7 days a week. So anytime you're in town drop by. The office space is open uh uh 5 days a week and we can give tours anytime somebody wants to come through. Now if you if you give me a shout on a, a Saturday or Sunday and I'm in town, I'll come down there personally and give you a tour through the office.
3: Glenn, you and Jen want to do this when you're taking your tour around. If you ever end up in Fort Worth, it's really worth the stop. Is it's there really... alfalfa
0: piled up along the walls? Oh.
2: There, there's not, there's not alfalfa along the walls, but <laughs> but you can tell there was alfalfa there at one time for sure. <laughs> you can tell what used to be there. So it's a, it's a, uh, uh, there's lots of little uh, interesting. Uh, construction features the the pillars in the building had conduit installed and in 1911 that was very odd to have internal conduit uh, you can still see the uh, aluminum wiring that came out They actually had aluminum wiring that transported the electricity back in the day and which i my electrician friends tell me is incredibly dangerous but uh, you can still see that, you know, you can see these old features that we've left and you kind of need a tour because there are just some little things like that, that someone uh, generally has to sort of point out to you. They're not just obvious when you walk through.
3: Well, that cracks me up that you mentioned that because my husband is a master electrician and that's the first thing he said to Steven, that doesn't look safe. And it launched our <laughs> tour guide, Steven off into this whole thing about it. It was, it was really cool. So yes, the electricians noticed that right away. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, it's, uh we and we have had a handful of electricians come through or people who have some construction backgrounds. The first thing they see, we we tell them, you know, that this is all. There's no electricity flowing through this. Right. But we left. We left old a few old things that were back in 1911 because we think it, it's you know it's meaningful to people that we not just completely. Get rid of the old history that's there.
0: Besides, it's Texas. There's no there's no code in Texas. You do whatever we, you want. So
2: <laughs> we just make it up. That's right. that's right. We just make it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's what, in the stockyards, the beautiful thing about it is the renovation down there gave us an opportunity to be at a destination, yeah. and that's something we've never had before: is to be at a destination where people come from all over the world and despite the covid pandemic we've had uh, traffic in our office from literally the four corners of the world
3: that's very cool and i'll tell you i hope that we do such a good job on our stockyards you know denver is redoing theirs right now and i certainly hope we keep some of the old um nuances of it right because it's so historical and they say they're going to but we'll see right because they're they're in the process of all that right now but I really did enjoy how you were able to do that. I thought that was just so important.
2: it was it was very important to us. We wanted to be able to say we contributed to the reclaiming of that culture and that uh, architectural style and uh, and 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 we think we've done that fairly well.
3: I would agree. So I know your convention is coming up this month and it's going to be virtual. And um, I sit on your professional horseman's committee, and that has been a joy to be able to be a part of that. Can you let um, people know a little bit more about that upcoming convention and if it's open to people and how that all works?
2: Sure. So our, our convention, obviously, we've had to do it a little bit differently in a virtual environment. So we're going to begin uh Essentially, it will be during different parts of the day on the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th of, uh, of February, and most all of our meeting uh, meetings are open to uh, members, so you're welcome to come and just log in. Uh, you can get some information from it at our website, com slash events slash convention, and uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, scheduling details there, but uh, you'll be able to click on uh, easily click on the link and and join a meeting or a committee meeting. Uh, we have some meetings that are closed, but it's a very small number and it's uh, because they tackle very sensitive issues but but the vast majority are wide open. Anybody can come and uh, and watch and uh, we, we invite anybody who wants to come to to um, APHA's first virtual convention
3: and i have been in person before i've done some talks there and things and i uh, i just love doing that too and um i went to your old office actually and you were able to bring those beautiful um statues over of the paint horses and have them there on mule alley which i thought was also great
2: well they're they're spectacular and they they've just become like a selfie magnet yes. i got to <laughs> tell you that when we moved it when we moved those things and started lowering them in with a crane
3: that, uh.
2: You know, I don't think I breathed for about twelve hours. It was because oh. uh, I don't know what you do if you drop one. It's, yeah. It can't be good. So, it uh, but it all worked out very well. They're they're fantastic. Plus, you yeah. guys have
0: some great restaurants near there. there
2: oh yeah, there are some fantastic restaurants and more coming. Um, somewhere around somewhere in the March April time two or three new ones are going to be opening up. So that whole mule alley area should be really, uh, um, uh, kind of a happening place in the next, uh, 60 to 90 days. Well, let's even just say, with some of the COVID restrictions.
0: If you're a vegetarian, you don't want to be there. Um, it's probably it, not perfect.
2: It's a carnivore, <laughs> kind of a carnivore nirvana. Yes. So you yes, like steak. You're right. Oh, yes. <laughs> you like steak. If You you know, we, I'm not even sure anybody there knows what a vegetable is. <laughs> <laughs> do you want the they big steak thing. or the extra big steak <laughs> that's right
3: <laughs> <laughs> that you can cut with a spoon by the way oh, oh there's good. some
2: great places there and some new ones coming on board so uh it's oh. gonna be it's It's a a wonderful place anyway. It's just going to get better and better.
0: And they always shudder when my wife orders it medium well. Then they all shudder. Yes, they say,
3: what are you doing? Get a roast. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Well,
0: she'd rather have a roast, actually, I think. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, you know, I have have my daughter-in-law. It's from California. We've been teaching her the ways of Texas. And it's, you know, I told her you got to pass a certain kind of test before you can actually call yourself a Texan and that's one of them you can't order a you can't order a medium it's medium rare is about as that's about uh that's what you need to order
0: <laughs> that's right. medium rare or more. <laughs> to call yourself a Texan don't you have to live there for like 85 years I mean through far <laughs> generations to really be called a Texan I mean
2: yeah uh, and you yeah. gotta you gotta know some stuff you gotta know some <laughs> Texas history things like that you can't just be you can't just have an address you've got to you know, you've got to know something about the Alamo and you've got to be able to talk <laughs> Texan, too. It's
0: <That's laughs> not like moving to Florida where just people move here and that's it. I mean, there's no. Yeah, yeah, no.
2: yeah Florida is nice, but, you know, we've you've got a, there are certain words you have to say and words you can't say in Texas. And there's just a way of doing it. Uh, we have to school some of our employees who come from out of state and have to teach them a little bit about how to be a Texan. It's, it can be amusing.
0: That whole talking slower thing, though, is to take, is where I failed. I just, you know, I talk too fast.
2: You got it. Yeah, you've got it. It's a little bit more relaxed, and you've got to be <laughs> able to combine words together, like y'all. And you can't say, uh, you know, the one that gets everyone in trouble in our office because we have a couple of employees from Washington is the uh, these ones. You, you can't say these ones in Texas. That it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it, it's like a red flag. You're not from Texas if you say these ones.
3: I love it. Well, for the people that haven't been to the stockyards, I have to give a push for this because she sits on my board. She's another one of my bosses. But Christian Jaworski is the herd boss for the Fort Worth herd. And they literally run the Longhorns down there every day, twice a day, 365 days a year. Doesn't matter. Cold, warm, hot. Doesn't matter. And that's literally right down from your office. Do you like escape every now and then just to go watch them? I don't know if I could stay away.
2: I do. And I'm just going to let you in on a little bit of a secret. <clears throat> Stephen Hayes and I in our office, we have, we have been outfitted to be herd riders. No, you so get to be drovers. Yes. Oh, we get to be drovers and we get, we we get to do it. We're kind of the B team. So it's like when, uh, if somebody's sick or something, we get called in, but we've been outfitted with the outfits and, it's oh. going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. We're going to be, I think we have to ride drag, but nonetheless, we'll still, we still get to ride. Bill, uh, oh. Billy,
0: I got to tell you, two weeks ago, we just had uh, Donald Leon, who's one of the Fort Worth drovers. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. African-American guy. And he's been doing it for yeah, years, definitely. I guess. Uh, yep. Uh, he was, I
3: saw him when I was there in December. Yeah. He I was fun. A picture, he was a, He's
0: fun. He loves doing that job. Uh
2: yeah, it's a great group of people. It's a it's a really great group of people. And uh um you know, the the drovers are not just they're not just pushing those cattle, they're they're kind of ambassadors. They hang around and talk to people. They're just great Fort Worth ambassadors.
0: Yeah, and that's the way he seemed. I mean he knew he did know the history. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. He's kind of the A team and we're kind of the B team. <laughs>
3: Well, I am still so jealous. Okay, when is there a job at APHA? I'm coming. I want to know. <laughs> Tell me. That's <laughs> awesome.
2: We would, we would, uh, we would let you in for sure. You can, uh,
3: <laughs>
2: you you can talk the talk. I don't That's know. That's
3: right.
0: I heard Darn she's it. earlier in the show. Uh, we've heard she's kind of bossy. So you may reconsider <laughs> that, Billy. I don't. I don't know. We did hear that.
2: I- being bossy is part of the Texas culture. So that's oh, not, there you go.
3: That's <laughs> a plus. Right that's
2: not a negative. <laughs> if you get in trouble for being bossy in our office, you pretty much everyone is going to be in trouble. Yeah.
0: <laughs> can you imagine Christy coming from one of the most liberal states in the country to Texas? Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a time shift right there.
3: Hey, I can do it. There is. <laughs>
2: But I, I'll tell you, we have a really inter Our staff is fantastic, and they're really very diverse in the way they see things. It can we can have some pretty interesting conversations I that uh, r- that run the whole spectrum, uh, political spectrum, and 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 to our credit, we can do that and still like each other.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, Well, now, and the big difference between Colorado and Texas is when you're doing – in Colorado, when they're having those conversations, they're high, whereas you guys are not. So there's that, too.
2: Well, you know, they've passed similar measures in Oklahoma, so it's getting closer and closer to Texas. So uh, we'll see. I mean, people, uh, they already drive across the border to gamble at the casinos. And it looks like they're going to be uh, partaking, too.
3: <laughs> I've totally well,
0: taken this conversation way off track. Sorry about yeah. that.
3: Yeah, you <laughs> roll on the morning show. That's what you do, Glenn. Mm-hmm. This is how we roll. So I do have this, though. So we are so close, so I'm just going to say it, to be able to have our international conference there in Fort Worth in November, for Cha, so that is just something that's so amazing. We're signing contracts as we speak. So there is this huge cowgirl gathering that I hear you have in November that we're going to try to back our event up to, so that we can have your folks come to our deal and vice versa. So tell us more about that event.
2: Well, that event is a uh, is an incredible piece of. Uh, I, we did it at a very elementary stage this year. Our last year, but it's scheduled for November twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. It's a wonderful collection of 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 some of the legends in the cowgirl universe. Uh, We have a session in there called the the Essence Exchange, in which we have kind of a TED Talk sort of environment where these great uh, cowgirls get to speak, and some of them are are professional. They're professional horse trainers, things like that. But others are business leaders who have a cowgirl background. So we bring them in. Uh, It's a fantastic time. And then we had uh, this last year, we had a competition, team roping. We had a breakaway roping and barrel racing. Um, And we had to limit uh, limit, uh, some of our expectations given the COVID restrictions. But we had a barrel race that Sunday that started at roughly around noon on Sunday and finished at about 8 a.m. on Monday morning. It Whoa. had a thousand, a thousand barrel racers. It was it was fantastic. But it's a really amazing opportunity, and we're hoping to expand it this year to include uh, probably an art show. Uh, um and some uh, uh, maybe wine and cheese-type tasting events. But everything in it is driven by women. In other words, we'll have women artisans, women saddle makers, women spur makers, women artists, uh, cowgirls that you know because of their fame. Lindy Birch spoke. uh, She was fantastic. Sarah Dawson was there as well. Uh, We'll have many of the same people back and a few new ones it's a it's a beautiful time to hear uh about how these great uh cowgirls have uh influenced their their industry and it's our way of honoring them but it's a fantastic event
3: well we're looking forward to if we do this, which it looks like we're going to we'll be there the ninth, tenth and eleventh so right before it so ah you, oh,
2: you'll be so perfect exciting. it'll be perfect, yeah, you'll just kind of make a week of it. Yep.
3: That's right. It'll be it'll be super fun. Um, I want to jump yep. into one other thing that I think is really important. Um, your Horse IQ, this is very unique. There's not a lot of other groups doing things like this. And I know our members like it because they get to go in and kind of learn from these platforms that you've created. Can you tell us a little bit more about that program?
2: So Horse IQ, some years ago, a group of us sat in and started talking a little bit about some of the needs in the industry, and one of those needs we discovered is we had had done a masterful job in the industry, I think, of training judges and getting judges into a really good place where they're all sort of singing from the same uh, hymn book. What we didn't do very well over the years is do the same for exhibitors. So we created this multidiscipline platform where exhibitors, uh, judges, beginners, Anybody can go to learn about how horse shows are uh, uh, judged, how they're managed, uh, how, uh, how, what judges look for in judged events. So it's, been, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classroom kind of environment. You can go and take a series of courses on different disciplines. Uh, it, it really puts the exhibitor in a spot where they know what the judge is looking for and how they, how they judge classes. We're hoping to expand that to other things in the future, to other content. But it's a it's a really well done place. Uh, Dave Dillon, our director of judges and performance, uh, has been instrumental in putting that together, along with various other uh, industry leaders as well. But it's uh, it's at horseiq.com. It's uh, it's a really neat. We made a uh, an adjustment in the platform this last year that created a much simpler platform to work in. So uh, it's a a great place.
3: Dave came to one of our conferences and did a great video on showmanship for us. And then um, we on Horse IQ, there's a bunch for showmanships. I know I've told our 4-H group about it because my son shows and um, he does showmanship. And I know he went in there and saw some of those video platforms too. So it's very educational and very interactive and very easy to use. I just commend you guys for putting it together.
2: Well, thank you. And and we've gotten good, very good response to it over the years. And we add we add new material to it fairly, fairly routinely. So there's new content there all the time. And we think it's starting to make an interest, make an impact on the industry as well.
3: I would agree. So, Billy, we've kind of gone all over the map today, but is there anything else you want to add about programs there at APHA?
2: Well, I would just I would tell people keep if you haven't looked at APHA in the last few years, you you, I think you'll be surprised. We've got uh, our world championship show is moving into the end of June this year. We're combining it with our youth show. It's, uh, you know, it's a million dollars plus in uh, purse money we're giving away uh, to exhibitors. We're one of the we have. We have. $100,000 A hundred thousand dollars a year that we give in scholarships to youth—that's uh, escrowed money. So a, a, a kid can work and compete at our world show and earn a pretty large chunk of change by the end of their time uh, as a, uh, as an exhibitor. And and what we wanted to try to do is create an environment where kids didn't have to decide, have to decide between going to college and showing their horses. And uh, we've had kids, uh, you know, finish their uh, um, their high school years and walk away with ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 in scholarship money to go Thanks. to school for everything from university work to uh, I know that we've uh, underwritten a couple of auctioneers. Uh, you know, my favorite student is the barrel racer, the uh, girl who went to welding school Awesome. Uh, under one of our scholarships. And uh, it's just it's just our way of helping kids uh, continue to participate in horse activities and helping them along the way with their careers as well.
3: It's so good. So how do people find out more about the American Paint Horse Association? What's your website, social media? How do they do that?
2: Well, we've got a large uh, presence on all of those, but apha.com is our website. We have uh, an official APHA uh, location on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, we've got about four hundred thousand contacts across those platforms. So, if you're in, if you use those kinds of platforms, we're out there. Just uh, look for APHA, you'll find us.
3: Very good. Well, Billy, thanks so much for having some fun with us and educating us this morning more about your association. We really appreciate it.
2: Oh, great, and uh, look forward to uh, to your event in uh, November. It'll it'll be fantastic and memorable.
3: Yes, and I'll get to actually see you this time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm free now. I'm liberated. that's good. <laughs> Billy, have
0: a steak for me if you can taste anything. I don't know if you lost your taste, but uh, have a steak for me at lunch, okay?
2: Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to do that. Yes, I did lose my taste, but not. Uh, it's coming back. Oh, good. Roaring good. good.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Have a good day. All right. Take care.
0: Bye. Well, there we go. I knew I'd get food into this program somehow.
3: That's right. You got food into it. You got um, pot into it. And yes. you got alcohol into yes. it. It is I a got true morning in. show, Glenn. Thank you so much for taking us south. Appreciate uh, okay. that. Well,
0: you know what? I
3: try to run a reputable <laughs> show and look what you do. Just saying.
0: After everybody's <laughs> day yesterday in this country, they're all thinking about pot and uh, alcohol. Yeah, they so. like, no problem. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. It
3: is a morning show. I warn all the guests. I go, you know how we're safe, effective, and fun at CHA? Okay, just reverse that. Yeah, yes, yeah.
0: I don't know how I ended up on this show. But uh, you've been doing it a long time and haven't quit yet. So. Uh, I, know,
3: I, I like it. Oh, I like having fun. Normally, it's <laughs> after 5 p.m. when I decide to have fun. But, you know, all day fun is good, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we just start out with the fun, see? That's, That's right. how We, we start like out it. with the fun. Although, I don't usually drink this early. That's uh, No, you know, no. It's a little no, early. It's kind of yeah, a little early yeah. for that. Uh, where can people find CHA again?
3: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, thank you for listening today. Certified Horsemanship Association can be found at www.cha.horse and there is so many things on there please come check it out it's a newly revamped website very easy to use and you will find educational videos, webinars articles, find an instructor near you, a boarding barn, a trail ride operation, whatever you need
0: And you can find Horses in the Morning at HorsesInTheMorning.com or any podcast player, including our very own app. We have our own app. If you want to listen to just our shows, you can search for that, iOS or Android, and download it. Just search for Horse Radio Network. Tomorrow, Jamie will be here. And then Wednesday, it's the fox hunting episode. And then we'll do some really bad ads on—or, I mean— Thursday, it's a Fox Hunting episode, and then we'll do some really bad ads on Friday. So we have a full week of shows for you. Uh, I won't be here tomorrow. We have a substitute. Auditor Jacqueline Burke is filling in with uh, Jamie tomorrow. So she filled in once uh, with me. I was co-hosting with her, and she was a lot of fun. She's an inventor out of Virginia. She's down here, actually. She just came to pick up a mic last night here at the farm, said hi to Scooter. So so she's here, and uh, she'll be filling in tomorrow morning for me. I have a project I have to work on. Matter of fact, what I'm going to be working on is the official HRN Roadshow. So that's in August, and we're going to be going on the road with our RV and visiting horse farms of our listeners around the East Coast. Everywhere Mississippi East is what we're doing this year, and the next year we hope to do Mississippi West. But we know that's going to require more weeks. So this year this year's a test run for next year
3: how fun
0: so that's the whole month of august and uh we're starting to plan our stops and what farms we're going to visit and hopefully we'll be doing meetups for listeners so if you two want to get together if we go by your area we'll be having you know official meetups for dinners or whatever hopefully we're vaccinated by then and all all will be a go by august i i would think so at least they've improved it here in florida and they're moving along fairly quickly now so we'll hope that's the same way across the country thank you all for joining us Talk to you soon. Bye. And it would help right now if I played the closing music. But for some reason, I can't (laughs) find the closing
3: music. There's closing music somewhere.
0: I play it every day. Oh, here we go. (laughs)
3: There it is.